Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of The Chris Carpenter Show. We're at episode 55. I hope everybody has had a great weekend thus far. We're in the midst of the Independence Day weekend. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Uh, but certainly a very busy sports week of, of news and we're gonna jump. We're gonna jump right into that. Um, and then I've got some. I've got a top five. We're gonna do top five best movies to watch on Independence Day or Independence Day weekend. And then we're gonna end with the Chris Carpenter tip of the week. All right. So it was already going to be a newsworthy week earlier in the week, Monday, Monday, Tuesday, and then into Wednesday, because the Big 12 decided to announce who their new commissioner is. Brett, Brett Yarmark is his name, and he is a COO uh, currently of uh, Rock Nation, which is Jay-Z's company. He was very instrumental in bringing the Nets to Brooklyn. He also worked for NASCAR when NASCAR was in booming times. So um, when I heard about this hire, um, I w- I actually am real pleased with this. Um, you know, I have been on record on this podcast that I I was um, wanting Kirby Hocutt to be the Big Twelve Commissioner, and I still think he would have made a very good Big Twelve Commissioner. But if they weren't going to hire him, then I wanted them to hire someone that was a little bit out of the box. I was a little worried when I was hearing things like we we're looking at. The Big 12 was looking at bringing in the president of Washington State. I thought that would have been the worst hire. Um, so if you're not going to go with Kirby, I think bringing in someone from the entertainment industry, um, a little bit more of an out-of-the-box hire, meaning someone maybe that doesn't necessarily have experience with uh, college sports, would be a good thing. And here, here's why. Um, your, your number one priority – and this was as of Wednesday. It's changed now. But when you hired Brett Yarmark, uh, your number one priority was making sure you negotiate a quality television deal coming up here in 2025. And quality meaning we are mo- the Big 12 is most likely going to lose money because they are losing Texas and Oklahoma. But you still – have a lot of potential value there. And I think you still have a lot of potential of, of getting a really good quality television deal. And I think, you know, bringing in someone that has, has those contacts like a Brett Yormark is, is a very significant development. Um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see. And, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this later because this feeds into the next big news story that happened this week. But it's going to be interesting to see who the Big 12 ends up with as far as television deals, um, I think they have a lot of options. Now, do they have as many options as the SEC and Big 10? No, but I think they definitely do have some options. And we'll talk about that more here in just a minute as we get into the next big story, which dropped on Thursday. And if you are a longtime listener of the Chris Carpenter Show, I have been saying this basically Since last August, when the Pac-12 made the decision not to expand, I said they they have signed their death warrant. USC is gonna is going to bolt for the Big Ten. Now, 
what I said last August, I, I thought it would be USC and Oregon leaving. It turns out it's USC, UCLA, which does make sense anyway. You've basically have now, if you're the Big Ten, you have the Los Angeles market. And you basically have, have, have <laughs> struck a crippling blow um, to the Pac-12. Um, by the way, anybody remember these three conferences, Big 12, or Big 12, excuse me, Big 10, Pac-12, ACC all coming together, holding hands, making this great alliance? Huh. I don't know who's, who comes off dumber here, the Pac-12 or the ACC. They're both in trouble, and they're both in trouble for a variety of reasons. So bottom line, USC, UCLA are gone um, from the Pac-12. They're going to the Big 10. The Big Ten makes it very clear they're gonna they're gonna answer the SEC's count, uh, punch of bringing in Texas Oklahoma, and so now you know the Big Ten has established itself. They're 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 the other big dog in this college conference race. So what is what's gonna happen next? That's gonna be the big question, and I think we're gonna get some resolution pretty early on in this upcoming week. Here's what I think should happen, and I think there's a very high likelihood it is going to happen. I think the Big 12 needs to swoop in, and they need to grab the teams that are left in the Pac-12 with the most value. Arizona, Arizona State, those are your number one, number two, number one, number one A, in fact. Swoop in and bring them in. I think those two schools um, have been very frustrated with the lack of expansion from the Pac-12, and I think they they fit in a, in a, in this new Big 12. Um, I think they'll be worthy additions. I think you then swoop in, and I think you add in Utah. You bring the Utah BYU rivalry into the Big 12. Utah, defending Pac-12 champions, they have been a football program on the rise. Very good, I think, quality addition to the Big 12. Now, your fourth addition, if you can get them, you go get Oregon. Oregon is the, is the best brand that's left in the, in the Pac-12, and that's because you've got Phil Knight and you've got all that Nike money. Here's the problem with Oregon. Oregon wants to go to the Big Ten. Oregon expects that they're going to be invited to the Big Ten. Washington, I think, thinks that as well. And so I think there's two likely scenarios that are going to happen when if you're the Big 12 and you call Oregon. Oregon's going to basically say, no thanks, we're going to wait for the Big Ten to invite us. They've already applied for Big Ten membership. The Big Ten said, no, not right now. So Oregon... And maybe in their mind, they're thinking we can play the long game and we can bring in the Big Ten or we can get ourselves in the Big Ten. Or they may they may accept the invite to the Big 12. And but they're they're halfway out the door when the Big Ten comes calling and they're wanting to call a lot of the shots a la University of Texas. I still feel like. Bringing in Oregon is worth all of that. But in my gut right now, I don't think Oregon is going to accept a Big 12 invite. And so I think the fourth team that you bring in, if you're the Big 12, is Colorado. Welcome back, Colorado, to the Big 12. 
And so I think you, that's what the Big 12 needs to do. Now, there is a scheduled meeting Tuesday uh, with the Big 12, um, basically the leadership of the Big 12, um, to discuss what the next step is. Here's my hope is since Thursday, there have been phone conversations made with Arizona schools, Utah, and Colorado, and Tuesday, you're officially inviting these schools. Once you invite these schools, and like I said, I think the Arizona schools, they're ready to come to the Big 12. I think Utah, Utah, there's some Utah fans that seem like they they think they can get into the Big 10, but I think the Utah leadership recognizes, hey, Big 12 is going to be our best option. We're reunited with BYU. Um, I think they're they're willing to jump in and move. Colorado, they certainly are are going to be willing to grab the life the life raft, which is the Big 12. And so I think you can get these teams to accept pretty quickly. Once you bring the, once you have officially invited those four teams in, you have you have effectively ended the Pac-12. The Pac-12 will be done. I think they're already done because there's no good options as far as who you would add in. Boise State, San Diego State, Fresno State, UNLV, these are not good options for the Pac-12. You know, their renegotiation comes a year earlier than the Big 12s. And so I think those schools, the Arizona schools, Colorado, Utah, are going to recognize their best option is to come to the Big 12. Now, here's my fear and trepidation right now. Um, we've already gotten leaks of, of some Big 12 administrators asking, why would we think about expanding? I suspect it's probably Kansas. Because I think Kansas is kind of, they're eyeing, well, maybe this is our moment to get in the Big 10. The Big 10 doesn't want you. <laughs> you don't bring money, Kansas. So stop. Um but I have faith in, you know, you got Dr. Skuvenek, who um, was the chairman of the hiring committee to bring in Bre- uh, Brett Yormark. I have faith in Kirby Hocutt. I think they've been making the phone calls. This is the moment that Texas Tech needs to assert itself in this new Big 12 and say, no, Kansas, shut up. You don't add anything but basketball. It's all about football to make the money. And we're going to bring in Arizona, Arizona State. Utah, Colorado, bring them in. Invites need to go go out to them. And Tuesday, we rubber stamp the invites, and we have effectively killed off the Pac-12 at that point. Um, conference realignment isn't done yet. You know the bit the next big piece domino to fall is Notre Dame. Is this the moment where Notre Dame finally wakes up and realizes? hey, we better get in a conference. And it's not going to be the ACC. The ACC is in trouble. Um, that massive contract for the ACC network, they think that locks them in and they'll be fine, but they're in trouble. The ACC isn't in trouble because here's my prediction of what's going to happen next. The SEC apparently was caught off guard by this Big Ten move. And so the SEC is going to respond, but they're not going to just add schools to add schools. They're going to add the they're going to add schools that are valuable that are going to increase their revenue, and those schools are Clemson, 
and Florida State. Those are the number. Those are the top two. Now, my uh, you might be thinking, what about Miami? Miami, if if they choose to go to twenty, they're at sixteen right now with Texas and Oklahoma. If they choose to go to twenty, then I think they pull in Miami and then um, maybe Virginia Tech. I guess I don't know who their their fourth one would be, but I think what you're going to see fairly soon is you're going to see we already know that these schools Clemson Florida State specifically they have they have contacted the SEC wanting to gauge their willingness to accept them so they're they're wanting to leave they're wanting to go to the SEC and I, I think th- those are your two most valuable brands that you can bring in Clemson and Florida State and this this business of well they would have to pay a huge buyout because there's this there's this basically grant of rights contract through 2036 with the ACC. Remember, ACC Network owned by ESPN. SEC Network owned by ESPN. ESPN will work out some sort of buyout deal. The SEC will make sure that some sort of buyout deal is worked out. That's not going to stop ACC teams from jumping ship. And certainly I think... Clemson and Florida State, they're going to head to the SEC. Miami possibly too, possibly, you know, a Virginia Tech or, uh, as well. But, you know, the ACC has got some problems. So what this all means for the Big 12 is, okay, Big 12, let's, let's get this out of the way. You're not going to be the number one conference. You're not going to be the number two conference in football. It's we are we, in the college football world we're living in, it's all about the Big Ten. It's all about the SEC. It's all about Fox versus ESPN. But I think if you bring in those four Pac-12 teams, along with the four teams that you're bringing in, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, I think you've created a pretty strong conference that could be your number three conference. And then at that point, Big 12, you cozy up either to the SEC or to the Big Ten and you make yourself a very nice partner for those conferences. And this is what this is when we get into television deal. What is what is the Big 12 going to do with their television deal? So, currently they their Big 12 has uh, a deal with Fox, they have a deal with ESPN. I think in this next television deal, you're going to have to choose between the two because as we're heading towards a Fox versus ESPN college football super conference super league. Um, here's here are the here are the strengths I think of each of, of them. Uh, ESPN with ESPN you have access to a, a streaming service ESPN plus and I think one of the big successes of this latest television deal has been ESPN plus. ESPN Plus has allowed you to air every single one of your basketball games, every single one of your um, baseball games, and in one or two, those one or two non-conference games like Murray State this year, you've been able to pick what time you play at versus if you were on a terrestrial network like an ESPN, ESPN2, Fox, FS1, or back when you had Fox Sports Southwest – that game against Murray State probably would have been like a 2 o'clock afternoon game instead of 
being able to play a, a 7 o'clock game at the Jones. That is, that's a strength of ESPN is the streaming service. Fox does not have a good streaming service um, right now. And so I'll talk about it in a minute, what you would have to do with Fox if you end up with Fox. Here's the weakness of ESPN. When Brett Yarmark was hired, officially hired on Tuesday, if you went to ESPN.com, for over 24 hours, there was nothing, no story on Brett Yarmark being hired. To me, that makes it very clear where you are on the totem pole of ESPN. In addition, there have been many basketball games this year, baseball, I think even football, where ESPN didn't even bother to send announcers to the game on site. They were doing games basically back in Bristol, Connecticut, the commentators were. That's inexcusable, and that creates a very poor product. And so I think if you're Brett Yormark and you decide to renegotiate with ESPN, you make it clear that every single live Big 12 event will have commentators on site. Bottom line. If they don't do that, then I think Fox can be a viable partner. And here, here's the strength that Fox has. Fox did, does send commentators out to every game. Fox did cover the hiring of the new Big 12 commissioner. Again, the weakness that Fox has is they don't have a viable streaming service. So you are, you are either going to end up, if you just go with Fox, you're either going to end up on Fox, which Fox has been pushing this 11 a.m. is their prime time type thing, you're going to end up on FS1, most likely as an afternoon game, most of the time on football, or even on FS2, which is not accessible in a lot of households. Here's how you make the Fox deal work. I think if you end up going with Fox, by the way, whichever one you go with, you're making clear who your alliance partner is, who you're cozying up to. If you go with ESPN, you're cozying up to the SEC, which I'm good with. We keep that Big 12 SEC challenge in basketball intact. I'd love to see that expand into, into baseball. Even in football, I think it's, it's doable. If you go with Fox, you're cozying up to the Big 10. And I think if you're going to do that, then in the, in the basket, especially in basketball, then I think you need to make some sort of contractual deal where there's a Big 10, Big 12 challenge like you have with the SEC, if that's going to go away. But if you go with Fox, you're going to have to have, I think, another partner, television partner, besides Fox. And the television partner that you bring in besides Fox has got to be one that has a good, viable streaming service. I think the streaming services are wanting to get in to televising college sports in this go-round. I mean, there was a report that with the additions of USC, UCLA, Apple TV is now wanting to re-engage with negotiations with the Big Ten. So if you if you go with Fox Big 12, I think you need to – there's two options. I think there's two options you can go with. Number one is CBS. CBS is about to lose 
their one college football partnership, which is the SEC. CBS also has a streaming service that I think they are wanting to expand into more sports, which is the Paramount Network or Paramount Plus. I think you, if you go with Fox Big 12, then you also negotiate, sign a contract with CBS. You now have added another network, uh, CBS, where maybe they air a game, the game of the Big 12 game of the week with Fox. Okay, so you've got Fox, you've got CBS, you've got FS1 for, for uh, your terrestrial television, and then you've got Paramount Plus. Now, if you can get Paramount Plus to have a very similar system like you have with ESPN Plus where you, you have all of your basketball games, all of baseball games televised through your you know commentators that you have there, I think that's a viable option. The second viable option, if you're going with Fox, is, I think, Amazon. Amazon has, has spent a lot of money to secure the Thursday night NFL football package. To me, that signals they are wanting to get into the sports game. And so I think they're, they're definitely going to be someone you can negotiate with, and I think they're going to be willing to pay a good chunk of money to, to, to stream Big 12 games. And again, I think you get a system like you have currently with ESPN Plus where your basketball, baseball games are televised. So I think the Big 12 has options. They just can't be reactionary like they always are. The big key is by the end of this time next week, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah need to be Big 12 members. I think that's going to be a great football conference. We haven't even talked about the other sports. Imagine Arizona basketball being in the Big 12. Arizona State's continuing to improve. Utah has had has great history in basketball. Baseball, Arizona, Arizona State, great baseball programs. Okay, now Colorado baseball, they're about as good as Iowa State baseball, but that's okay. But uh, you know, I, I think that's the that's your go-to move. If you're the Big 12, you cannot just stand here and say, we're not going to expand. You do that. You're doing what the Pac-12 did last August, and you're going to see teams looking to find a way out. You've got to expand. You've got to bring these four teams in to survive. The, The group of five conference model is over. Big 10, SEC are the kings. They're the big dogs. If you're the Big 12, you have an opportunity to solidify yourself as the number three conference and still get a very good quality television deal out of it by expanding. You got to do it, Big 12. Got to do it. So all of everything else I talk about is going to be kind of under the umbrella of those first two stories. Um, because tech athletics cannot flourish, cannot thrive, cannot succeed if they're in a bad conference. It's just, it's going to be tough. You have an opportunity with the Big 12, even with Texas and Oklahoma gone. If you bring in these four teams, you have the opportunity to build, a, I think, a very quality conference and still make a good chunk of money um, doing it.
So, um, tech football this week, there was a little bit of, of news. Um, you did have some players decommit, and then we had some commit. Um, right now, tech, you know, at one point they were number one recruiting um, for this 2023. They've fallen to number 12. We expected that. You know, I don't think anybody expected they were going to be number one as, as uh, commitments come in. The, here's the key um, number to me right now. They are they have the second best recruiting class in the Big 12. Number one's Texas, and they're leaving. So Texas Tech, it, right now it's uh, Texas number one, Tech is two, Baylor's three. To me, it's important that you're beating Baylor in recruiting right now because Baylor, quite frankly, in the last 10 years has kicked your butt in recruiting, and it shows on the field. Um, so I'm good with – if we're out recruiting Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State, you're in a good position football-wise. The last couple years, you know, uh, Matt Wells' last recruiting class, they were number 10. Joey McGuire, with like six weeks in, he was able to get an, uh, the seventh-ranked recruiting class of the Big 12. If you can finish top five in the Big 12, and I think you can finish even top three, you're going to be in a good position in the years to come. Uh, with this football program, so you're going to have people decommit. That's okay. That's just it's it's part of the game. But you know, I, again, I think this uh, Joey McGuire is going about it the right way, bringing in uh, the recruits, and he's really focusing on the state of Texas and on our own backyard here in West Texas. And I think that is going to pay dividends. So, all right, we're going to kind of move away from sports. Uh, and we're going to talk about July 4th movies. So I want to give you my uh, our top five this week is top five best movies to watch in the 4th of July holiday. So we're going to go five to one, and then we'll kind of talk about each of them. So my number five uh, movie to watch on the 4th of July is We Were Soldiers. It is probably one of my favorite war movies. It's uh, Mel Gibson, and it is basically detailing the beginnings of the Vietnam War. Very moving movie. It's one of Mel Gibson's best movies. So number five is We Were Soldiers. Number four, I'm going to watch it actually when I finish recording this podcast, is Air Force One. Great movie. Um, Harrison Ford makes a good president. I mean, his get off my plane is awesome. Great movie. Number three, coming in at a tie. One of them I saw back in May. One of them I'm hoping to see. It's there. It's hard to find on streaming though. Number three tied for, tied for number three is top gun and red Dawn. Great movies make you feel patriotic. You got Top Gun. You got Tom Cruise flying around. Again, if you've not seen the new one, this could be a great opportunity for you to go see it this weekend. Um, but the first one is awesome as well. Uh, you know, the really Top Gun Maverick, probably one of the best sequels I've ever seen. But, you know, Top Gun, great movie. Red Dawn, we're kicking Russian butt. We're taking communists out. Wolverines. It's awesome. 
great movie. It's also the first PG-13 movie ever made. So, And it's got a great cast. I mean, you got Patrick Swayze, and you've got Charlie Sheen. You've got, I mean, it's, it's great. Powers Booth, Snyder Tiger's own Powers Booth. All right, number two is Independence Day. Great movie. Um, this is a movie that, I mean, that speech by Bill Pullman before they go kick alien butt. I mean, it just it just riles you up. It fires you up to go fight for freedom, baby. And my number one this is the one I'm going to watch tomorrow. I'll probably watch Independence Day tomorrow too, by the way. But my number one, another Mel Gibson one, The Patriot. You got to watch that one. The British get the that get the butts kicked. It's what July Fourth Independence Day is all about. We wrote our little breakup letter to King George III. How dare he try to tax us without representation, consent of the governed? But you got to watch the Patriot. So great movies. A lot of them are available um, on various streamers. But those would be my five. Uh, it's actually six recommendations to watch during the July 4th Independence Day holiday. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to get to some listener questions. And welcome back to this week's edition of The Chris Carpenter Show. It's now time for listener questions. And again, two ways to engage with me on this podcast. Number one is follow the official Twitter of The Chris Carpenter Show. It is at The C Carp Show. You may also follow the official TikTok of the Chris Carpenter Show. It is just simply the Chris Carpenter Show. So, um, good. We got some good questions this week. Let's hop into them. All right. First question is: Is Reba from Spring Lake? Could it be Reba McIntyre? Here's your one chance, fancy. Don't let me down. Best Reba song, by the way. What did you think of the new season of Stranger Things? No spoilers, please. Um, so, full disclosure, I have not watched the new episodes that dropped on Friday. Um, as far as the episodes that I've watched so far, pretty strong season. I personally don't think it's as strong as season three, but it was going to be hard to top season three. Um, season three was by far the best seasons of Stranger Things. But I think still a pretty solid um, season of Stranger Things of what I've watched so far. You know, Netflix needs to find a new hit, by the way, because I'm telling you, once the, the final season of Stranger Things drops, that may be the end of my relationship with Netflix. Um, you know, Netflix, I think, has really become a victim of what they did. And, and I think a lot of the streamers and I'm going to talk about that this um, upcoming on this week's um, next week's midweek madness. But I think a lot of the streamers have taken the best shows from Netflix and Netflix is in a bit of trouble. So, but yeah, um, so far what I've seen of this season, pretty solid season of stranger things. Uh, you know, if you're a stranger things fan, I think you're going to enjoy it. So good question. We've got Caroline and Dalhart. Um, so when this is an interesting question, when Joey bolts for Texas or Texas A&M in three to four years, what happens to Texas tech football 
as the Big Ten and SEC continue to poach bigger schools? Is Texas Tech in danger of becoming completely irrelevant in college sports? So there's several questions there uh, about Joey McGuire, about how is Texas Tech affected by this conference realignment. Is Texas Tech in danger of becoming irrelevant? I think they are. However, I think they control their own destiny in regards to the Big 12. Now, I've seen a lot of fans on Twitter basically say, well, Tech needs to go to the Big 10 or SEC. Here's the harsh reality. We're not going to get an invite from either of those two schools at this point. So your best focus, if you're Texas Tech, is creating a quality conference out of the Big 12. And I think bringing in the four teams that you brought in last year was a good start. I think bringing in the four schools that I discussed in the earlier segment from the Pac-12 is a, even a better thing to do. I think if you do that, then you've set yourself up, if you're Texas Tech, that you're still going to be relevant in the college sports world. Um, now, you're going to have to make do with less money than if you were in the SEC Big Ten. Less money being relative. I mean, you're not going to be you're not going to be in the poorhouse like if you were, you know, New Mexico State or you know in Conference USA. But it's just, I mean, the the figures that the SEC and the Big Ten are going to be bringing in are just going to be astronomical. You're going to be probably bringing in a, a little bit less than that. So you still, I think, have an opportunity to be very relevant in the college sports world. Now, Joey McGuire. If he leaves four years from now for Texas or Texas A&M, that's going to be rough. Let's just get that out of the way. Here's the silver lining, though. If he's leaving for those two schools, that means he's rebuilt this football program. And I think if he rebuilds this football program, then I think you can go out and get another coach. I mean, remember, we all freaked out when Chris Beard left for uh, UT. We got Mark Adams. And I, by the way, I don't necessarily think it's a guarantee that if Texas or Texas A&M comes calling, that Joey McGuire is just going to jump at, at the chance. Here, here's my prediction, by the way. I think the next Texas coach is going to be Jeff Trailer because I, I think – Sarkeesian's on an extremely short leash. And if they start out slow, I think he gets fired. You end up with interim coach Gary Patterson. And then I do think you end up with Jeff Trailer from UTSA going to the uh, University of Texas. A&M may be a little bit more of a danger. All I can do is take Joey McGuire at his word right now, that he wants to be here. He thinks this is a dream job. Four years from now, he could pull to go to uh, UT or A&M. Or, heck, he could go to Oklahoma. Who knows? I hope he doesn't. Um, but if those schools are, come, are coming to come calling, that means he has created a quality football program at Texas Tech, which we haven't seen in over a decade. And at that point, let's not be like we were with Beard and just tr- curl up and say, oh, it's over. Because it wasn't over when Beard left. We got Mark Adams. I think you could still get a quality coach at Texas Tech. We have, we've, we, we've shown that we're willing to spend money on quality at Texas Tech University. And so I think you can get a good quality football coach um, if Joey McGuire leaves.
So, and I still, and like I said, I think that's a big if. I don't think there's a guarantee if Texas or Texas A&M comes calling that he'll go. Uh, both Texas and Texas A&M came to Tim Tadlock, and he told he told them both no. You know, Joey McGuire could be in the same boat. But again, if he's at a point where they're coming, they're wanting him, that means we have a quality football program. And I'll take that. <laughs> we haven't had a quality football program in over a decade. So enjoy the ride. That's what I would say, ultimately. But no, I don't think Texas Tech is... Texas Tech, I think, controls its own destiny as far as becoming irrelevant um, because I think Texas Tech can take the lead and say, we're bringing in these four Pac-12 schools. You know, Kansas, shut up, enjoy your basketball because that's all you're good at anyway. But bring bring those four teams in. So, good question. We've got Albert from Big Spring. Why is sports betting illegal in many states, including Texas? Um, so... Sports betting being legalized outside of um, Vegas and specifically Nevada is a fairly new is a fairly new um, development. Um, you had basically the Supreme Court, and I believe it was maybe 2018, um, ruled that you could not limit sports betting. Basically, and since then, you've had a plethora of states legalize it. Um, new Mexico has legalized it. If you go to New Mexico and in the Mountain Gods, or you know. Any of the casinos there, you can do sports betting. Oklahoma, I'm not sure about. I bet they do have sports betting because they have casinos. Louisiana, you can go place bets. Uh, Why is it illegal in Texas? It's interesting to me. Texas and, you know, specifically your conservatives, your Republicans, they have really, and and, and I'm not bashing them, by the way. Uh, I disagree with them on this point, but you know, I understand where they're at. I understand why they have this perspective. Um, there is a belief that legalized gambling basically causes more problems than it's worth. And I do think there, there is some validity to that argument. Um, you know, I, let me, let me use Hobbs, New Mexico as an example. You know, Hobbs about a decade ago, opened up their first casino, first racetrack, and you did see an increase in crime uh, and criminal activity. Now, do I think that always, always casinos bring crime and all that? No, not necessarily. I mean, Rio Doso has had casinos for years and years, and I wouldn't classify Rio Doso as, you know, going to Chicago or going to Austin as far as crime. Um, but, I, you know, a lot of Texas politicians believe that. Here's, here's my pushback with that. If they truly believe that, though, why do we have the lottery? Because the lottery is a form of gambling. Um, and, you know, the other big pushback, they always say, well, it hurts, you know, you would, you would hurt the, the poorest of the poor if you have legalized gambling and casinos. Again, we have the lottery. And if you look at you know, the lottery, the zip codes that buy the most lottery tickets are some of your poorest economically zip codes in the state. So, you know, to me, I think it's very hypocritical that we're fine with having a lottery in Texas because it quote unquote pays for education, which (laughs) does it, but we won't have legalized sports uh, gambling or legalized casinos. i I think it's uh, we were we are going to get to a point where you will see legalized sports betting 
in Texas, I think that's a good next step beyond just legalizing having casinos, at least allow legalized sports betting um, in Texas. But again, you know, Texas moves slowly because we meet every other year as a legislature. And I think that's a good thing too, by the way, um, meeting every other year because legislatures, all they do is pass laws and there's a lot of stupid laws out there. And when they're meeting less, less opportunity to pass stupid laws. So, um, but I think you will see that, but I think that's why a, a legalized sports betting isn't in um, a lot of states is because there is a concern that it brings about a lot of negative consequences. So good question. We've got Quail from Roaring Spriggs. Is it Quail Dobbs? Well, he's passed away, so it probably isn't him. He asks, who's the Michael Jordan or Ray or Wayne Gretzky of NASCAR. I think it's Richard Petty. Um, seven cup championships, 300 wins, and nobody is ever going to get that close. Um, I would probably put him uh, as, as, as the one. Now, if you're talking more modern day, someone that helped grow the sport of NASCAR, then it's definitely Dale Earnhardt. Um, I think more, more eyeballs went to watching NASCAR because of Dale Earnhardt versus Richard Petty. But I think ultimately, if you look, if you were to compare their stats, 300 wins is hard to argue with. I mean, the, the next closest one is like at a hundred. So I would say Richard Petty. All right. We got one last question question and it's our old friend or rental. Actually, we got two more questions, but uh, we, we got we got a question from our friend Orenthal from Pampa. Pampa, home of the harvesters. Do you happen to know the process for a famous and wealthy person to apply for a full presidential or gubernatorial pardon? Well, Orenthal, I'm going to take another stab at this. Um, I'm going to give you some advice. You might want to talk to a lawyer. Um, there's one in California. His name's Robert. I don't remember his last name. Maybe the shape of it might come come quickly. That might be one you might want to talk to. <laughs> so Orenthal, you're just traveling all over the world, aren't you? Orenthal and your white Bronco. So, and I misspoke. We actually have two more questions. We've got Larry from Mule Shoe, home of the Mules, former home of Lincoln Riley. Who do you see as the front runners in the next presidential race? Will Biden really want to run again? So two part question. Let me answer the second part. Will Biden really want to run again? I do think he wants to run again. I don't think the Democrat Party is going to let him run again. So I don't think he runs again. Um, so here's here's what I think is going to happen. And I'm going to be very nonpartisan. So I'm not going to I'm not endorsing anybody. I'm not giving my opinion. I don't think Biden runs again. The Democrats, I think, have a little bit of an issue with as far as who's on their bench to run. Kamala Harris, I think, certainly will probably run. Her polling's not very good, which I think is going to be a problem for her. I think Pete Buttigieg, the um, mayor of South Bend, current transportation secretary, I think he runs as well. Um, he's going to have some problems, I think. You know, there's been some mistakes made in, in the transportation department that I think are going to hurt him. 
Here's my prediction as far as who the Democrat nominee is going to be in 2024. It's an oldie, but a goodie. Her name is Hillary. I think Hillary, because of the state of there's not a lot of viable candidates in the Democrat Party, is going to be able to swoop in, run, and get the nomination. Now, Republicans, I think it's going to be a two-horse race. Um, I think other people will jump in. I Certainly, I think Ted Cruz probably jumps in. Rand Paul might jump in. I think Greg Abbott's going to run as well. I think it's going to be Trump versus DeSantis. Um, you know, I think Donald Trump probably ends up running again. But I think right now, polling momentum really favors Ron DeSantis jumping in and getting in. That's going to be a heck of a primary if it's Trump versus DeSantis. It's it's going to get nasty very quickly. Um, and I still think there's a chance Trump doesn't choose to run. And then I think very quickly he'll, he'll endorse DeSantis. Because um, I think a lot of DeSantis, DeSantis supporters and Trump supporters, a lot of them are the same people. I think DeSantis appeals to that to the that base i think desantis desantis is very much like donald trump without like the twitter and some of the more negative qualities so i ultimately think desantis wins and so i think you end up with desantis versus clinton in 2024 and i think you end up with uh, desantis winning um things can change though um you know we, we've got a midterm election coming up you know, back in 1994, I think we're we're headed towards the Republicans having a massive election victory this uh, 2022. Happen, that happened in 1994 with the, the Republicans against Bill Clinton. People thought, well, Bill Clinton's done. He's not going to win re-election. And he was able to. Uh, so things can change. I, I, I just – I can't imagine Biden running again. I just – I just don't think he he's going to be able to do it um, health wise and physical physically. So I, that's why things I think are going to be very interesting in 2024. So good question. We got one more and it is Hank from Irene. Will we see any future collaboration episodes like we saw earlier this week? Yes. And I do want to take this time to thank both uh, Alan Succi and host of the real Chris Carpenter show. It's a fun show. And Toby Ryan, um, seller of many NFTs, if you're interested, follow him on Instagram, um, for for joining me for that midweek madness. Had a great time doing that. Absolutely, you're going to see future collaborations. I, I think both of them uh, have expressed interest. I totally am in, in on that. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned. It, it's just more of a matter of uh, getting us three together and everything, but yeah, absolutely. I think we will have future collaborations with each other. Um, you know, if you have, if you have an idea of what you want us to talk about, most likely those are going to be non-sports related type podcasts. We might do another sitcoms or something else. You know, you can always comment on the, uh, you can tweet me at, at the C carp show or on the Chris Carpenter show, TikTok. And we'll certainly take those under consideration. But yeah, absolutely. I am fully 100% all in on doing another collaboration like that. So 
Um, by the way, well, actually, I'll tell you um, when we get to the tip of the week. Anyway, we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, it will be time for the Chris Carpenter tip of the week. And welcome back to this week's edition of the Chris Carpenter Show. It's now time for the Chris Carpenter tip of the week. And my tip of the week deals with the 4th of July, Independence Day. couple of tips for you. Um, number one, take time to read the Declaration of Independence at some point during this celebration weekend. Um, it is one of it is it is the most consequential document um, in American history, obviously, and, and it's one of the most consequential documents in world history um, for because for the first time, things like unalienable rights were openly talked about. Um, but you know, fantastic! It's really not a long document. Take time to read it. Um, and also, if you're partaking in any sort of firework celebration, stay safe. Honestly, my preference is to let the professionals do it. And there's going to be lots of great fireworks displays. I mean, most communities, even small communities, do one. Um, but if you're partaking in fireworks, stay safe. Be smart, especially if you're in an area where there's been a drought. You know, come prepared. But, you know, I hope everybody has a great Independence Day. I'm so thankful and proud um, to be an American. This is a great country. And I hope everybody remembers that in the midst of everything that goes on. We, we're very blessed to live in a great country. So um, join me this Wednesday. We're going to do Midweek Madness number five. And this week we're going to be talking about streaming services. And I'm also going to give you my review of the movie Elvis. I went and saw that yesterday. So join me for that. And then we will be back with our regular episode next weekend. Um, and hopefully we'll have some new Big 12 members to talk about. So anyway, I will see you next time on The Chris Carpenter Show.